You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. And today, this is the last episode of the dead time offseason. Thank God, Grump, because my baseball season is spiraling out of control. So I need I need football back, even if it's watching guys running around in their underwear. That is fine with me. Let's get to football season. It is time. You heard it here first. Cranky, ready for guys running around in their underwear. Yeah. <laughs> um, training camp starts today, for those of you listening, right? Yeah. It starts today. Hallelujah. Yeah, really. Um, and it was, like, beautiful all the last week. This week it's going to be, like, 90-something degrees. That's training camp. You yep. know, we, we say it every year, whether we're out at the Meadowlands or, like, the first – college game we go to labor day weekend it's like remember this super hot uncomfortable because when we're sitting in the meadowlands in week 16 and we're freezing our buns off you know drinking our hot chocolates we're going to be wishing it was hot again so i don't want to okay. like are you, i always get this like um comment after i ever bring something like that up it's like oh i always like the winter because you can always put on more layers fuck that Okay. All right. So we're on the same page with that. <laughs> no, thank you. I uh, I can deal with the heat. I mean, I'd rather you know, sweat. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd rather just go with the, the shorts and the t-shirt. Just give me a, a couple gallons of water and I'm fine. I can get a nice tan. I can deal with it. It's just that cold. And you all know, you all go to the Meadowlands. We don't get the nice look on TV. It's six inches of snow and it's fun out. Oh, no, no, no. We get 38 in rain. It's miserable. Yeah. It's miserable getting out there. It's miserable at the tailgate. It's miserable in traffic. It's miserable watching us lose. It sucks all around. So, no. I mean, the other thing is that, like, I feel like once one part of your body is cold, it's just a slow climb until everything is. And there's only so many pairs of pants you can wear. So, yeah. eventually, your legs just get cold, and then you're cold all over. It doesn't matter that you're wearing 30 sweatshirts. Well, I feel like Ralphie's brother in A Christmas Story, when he put on the 12 layers, he's walking around like this and he can't get his arms down. Yeah. I mean, because I have, you know, the, the T-shirt, the sweatshirt, the jacket, the hat, the the gloves. Scarf, you know. face yeah. mask, Under Ugh. Armour, you name it. Three pairs of socks. I've done it all and it doesn't matter. I'm, doesn't still, I'm still cold after 20 minutes. I'm still cold. I'm still wet. And I'm still miserable. So, yeah. No, thanks. It would have been nice if they had a dome with two people, two teams paying for it, but no. No. Uh, Speaking of money, um, before we get into the end of our season predictions here, uh, with training camp starting, there is a bunch of news that came up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, what do you want? Do you want to get the, the Saquon stuff out of the way? Carl yeah, Banks went on a rant. So, okay, so some a brief update on what happened this weekend regarding Saquon Barkley, and then we'll kind of get. I'll let you take your opinion and yeah. you can throw it out there and then I'll, I'll say mine and whatever but so Let's there's a go. couple things that happened here uh, Barkley went on a podcast where he was able to speak a little bit more freely uh, about his sticking points with negotiations with the Giants um, he discussed that 
um, player comparisons is kind of where, what the wedge issue was with the Giants. They were, I mean, Dan Duggan wrote a really good article for The Athletic about it. Um, he broke it down. It was both fair and unfair. Uh, but truthfully, there is no exact replica for Saquon's production, the type of running back that he is. But I mean, like the, the sticking point was essentially that the contract negotiations were based around downhill runners who do not offer anything in the receiving game. But when Duggan broke it down, when you factor in age, how far they were into their career, it kind of almost doesn't matter numbers-wise. Um, he discussed on that podcast, uh, he, he called holding out the whole season as, quote, a card I can play. Um, I don't know. I, 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 sure. I, I guess so. Um, additionally, Austin Eckler, running back for... I, I, I don't know if he's currently signed, but you previously most known for being with the Chargers, um, hosted a running back Zoom call where they could discuss their options and their grievances with the, their financial situations. I believe that that went absolutely nowhere. It was a stupid waste of time. Pro Football Talk detailed that almost nothing happened. They had a source within it or something like that. Um, and then this all culminated in what I think happened Sunday – Carl Banks did like a 35-minute rant on their pod, his, his podcast with Bob Papa, which essentially – you can correct me if I missed anything here. But it boiled down to like his opinion was the best thing Saquon Barkley can do right now is to show up to work, be the best player that you know you can be, smile – and work on your brand, work on money after football because negotiations are what they are and the situation he's in is the situation he's in regardless of how he got there. But at the end of the day, the best move for him financially is to build his brand both right now for his marketability and also for beyond football because his career window is going to be small no matter what. Um, all of that is kind of like where we are right now. We, we I don't anticipate, I don't think you anticipate Barkley showing up to camp at all. Um, so give me your thoughts. That was sort of the weekend. Yeah, let's work backwards from all that. Let's start with the, uh, the Carl Banks thing. And let's preface the Carl Banks conversation with if he's not officially an employee of the New York Giants, he is, you know – their second biggest mouthpiece in a public persona. I mean, him and, and uh, Bob Papa are the voices you hear the most. And they are, again, if they're not employees of the Giants, they are. their job is paid through the Giants. They, so are, they are certainly likely to be influenced by the organization. Exactly. Right. So okay. they are, you know, they may not be implicitly saying, the team telling them what to say, but... The Giants butter their bread. So just take that with a little bit of, you know, grain of salt as you hear whatever he says. Now, do you know who Kurt Flood is? It sounds familiar. Kyle Flood. Am I thinking of Kyle? No, 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 no. no. Kurt Flood was a uh, baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals back in the 60s. And the the way contracts used to be in baseball was called the reserve clause where you had a two-year contract with a team and when your contract expired because of the reserve clause they still had your rights you did not have free agency right you basically were at the mercy you had to resign with the team that you were with and you worked out whatever that deal was so he 
was the guy who sued Major League Baseball. He was the trailblazer who got, you know, the reserve clause taken away and players ultimately became free agents. So once their contract was up, they could do whatever they want. Um, I don't know if Saquon Barkley thinks he's trying to be a trailblazer in the Kurt Flood uh, mold, but he is not going to get the public sympathy that a guy like how they were back in the 60s when these guys, A, didn't make nearly the amount of money that they do now, and B, it really was a lot more restrictive. You know, we are now talking basically about a system where, you know, we're kind of in the grand scheme of things. It's like, am I going to get this million or this million? So if he thinks that he's going to gain public sympathy because I am not labeled as, you know, I am being thought of as this type of running back versus this type of running back, and I am not getting my fair share. He's going to lose that, and he's going to lose that badly, I think. So in that way, I kind of agree with Carl Banks. It's like, you know, something, you know, this is something, if you don't like this, you the only people you need to look at is your own union. Their players union negotiated this system with management for the NFL to have this system of a tag. Um, having this type of you know, kind of a, a way they can still hold on to you in the early part of your career before. It, it, this is agreed to. And this is something that was, you know, it, it, it really, if you think about it, it's fair for both sides. You know, it allows teams to keep their players. It allows players to get fair market value, albeit for a much shorter time, you know, Again, he is going to be – once he signs the tag and starts playing, we will will be one of the five highest-paid running backs in the league. It's not like he's coming back for a minimum wage. It's not like he's not getting paid to play. So I think you know, it's in his best interest, like Carl says, play, you know, build you – know, build your case for next year you know, for – getting that contract, whether it be with the Giants or somewhere else. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has already said he regrets the holdout after the second year of getting tagged. Not the first year, the second year. And he's come, I think in the last two weeks, he said he regretted that decision. So, again, this is not baseball. This is not even basketball where players can play 12, 15 years. You're an NFL running back. You don't play that long. If he's going to hold out a year, eight games, that's money he's probably never going to get back over the rest of his of his career. So to me, they could say all they want now. They can blow off steam. We're not in the negotiation period. They can't negotiate for it. You know, say whatever they want. I don't think it means much of anything. I don't think the Giants care what he says. I think all you can do is just hurt your brand, hurt your image by holding out, by saying silly things and just, you know, hold out for training camp. I, I have no problem if you hold out for training camp. I don't want that freak injury. I don't need extra miles on the tires. We will we and we'll talk about this. We, we will talk about the, the running backs we have in to get his rotation spots in training camp and in the preseason. 
but when it's time to play, play like an animal and earn that next contract. Um, did you want to say something else about um, Banks' comments on branding people? We did. This is like one of the few things that we did text about last night. Um, his his marketability in New York, I think you took issue with. Oh yeah, the other thing that was, you know, I think there is still an old school mentality of because we are in New York City that your brand is worth more than other places. And remember, Carl Banks is an athlete who played in the 80s and the early 90s. And, you know, that's a lifetime from where we are now. Uh, You know, multimedia, social media, player empowerment of controlling their own brand is so different now that it doesn't matter where you play, especially in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about, you know, who just came to New York? Aaron Rodgers is one of the highest Q scores of anybody in the NFL, one of the most popular players, despite the fact he's become a real odd bird in the last couple of years and kind of a dick, you know, but he moves the needle. Where has he played for the last 15, 16 years? Green Bay, Wisconsin. I mean, you can't tell me that, you know, playing in Green Bay has hurt his image or his brand or or his recognition factor. I mean, this is Saquon Barkley. This is a major star in this league. It doesn't matter where he plays. So I think for that fact, I think I think Carl Banks is wrong about playing here helps your brand, because I, I really think the way that the, the popularity of this league and the fact that it's you can live anywhere and watch all the games and and all the opportunities, social media is so big, you create your own brand. I don't think that's much of a factor anymore. Okay, so I'm going to work my way in through backwards because I, I sort of agree with you, but I think I disagree with you. Um, I, I agree that being just just by virtue of the fact that you play in New York does not is not worth as much as it was during Carl Banks' era. I agree with you there. I do still think that it's worth more than other places. I, I mean, like, the NFL is always is a team sport where a quarterback is always going to get the limelight no matter sure. what. So while you make a good point about Aaron Rodgers being from Green Bay, he is a quarterback. Think about a non-quarterback from, for lack of a better term, a flyover state that is in the national spotlight for the NFL. It's pretty difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, but what I will say is in New York, they do like to promote New York. They love to put New York versus Dallas in in the lights. Um, And Daniel Jones is not heavy competition for being, you know, um, like a charismatic poster boy. You know what I mean? So there is opportunity here in New York for Barkley to take that spot. I think is a fairly decent point to make. Um, would you agree with that, at least? I would agree with that, sure. But also, Barkley has been now with the Giants for, what, five years? Yep. Barkley is not a, a name, a personality that transcends football. I, don't I agree with you. So I mean, here, here's he, where I was going to say with that. Um, yeah. He's not Joe Namath. He's not Aaron Judge. But he he's, could be. He just isn't. He doesn't talk enough. He's not 
on things enough. He does. First of all, he's like he's not on social media enough. And not that I think that people need to be or should be or whatever. But I mean, when you have a Twitter account and you never tweet anything and it's just ads whenever you do, that's you're not branding anything. You don't you don't register as a human being to the average guy as much as. It's kind of the Mike Trout problem that baseball has where they have similar personalities. They're just like, you know, why aren't they marketing this guy more? He's the face of the game. And it's just that's just not who he is. That's just not his that's M.O. He, so I, I think, you know, if this was year two in Barkley, it's like there's so many opportunities. I'm like, he's in year five going into year six. You kind of are what you are. A little he's bit. Not, he's not all of a sudden become, you know – He's not going to become like a Derek Jeter, I think, later in life, becoming like the ironic spokesperson for Subway or whatever he is now. It's like, oh, he hasn't think, does things for so long. And that's – I just don't see it. I mean you, you, this is who he is, and I think – I don't think that the, the branding – let's put it this way. If he wanted to be that you know, ubiquitous guy who's all over the place in the face of everything and – you know, something like Odell Beckham probably wishes he was more. I think he would, it would have happened already. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. Well, wait, wait, wait. Here, here's the thing. I I don't agree with that because he was – he started out that way in his rookie year, but he was on shit teams, which is not going to help your branding, even if you are good. And then he got hurt. And then he stayed hurt. So, I mean, he really – had a resurgence i would say now is the time for him to brand himself and i would agree with carl banks here because right now the league is almost like shoehorning there the league is almost inflating what the giants were last year at this point do you feel that way absolutely this team you know i we we, we all kind of agree that they probably overachieved relative to how good they were last year you know and the, and the playoff win certainly helped that but look they're on prime time how many times? I forget. I mean, a, a lot for a team that's not a Super Bowl contender. Um, they are still one of the marquee teams in this league. You know, they they they, they have the brand. They have the fan base. Um, so he should be able to piggyback off of that into... And, I mean, I, I do think that right now, while they're trying to prop up as much giant stuff as there is, Daniel Jones not being a natural, charismatic, social guy, there is a spot for him to nestle himself in there. And I think it's sure. I think it's certainly fair for Carl Banks to say that he has value here doing that where he wouldn't somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, if he mm. goes, I don't know, I'm pulling this out of my ass, but Denver, where it's sort of kind of a flyover state, but you also have Russell Wilson... I don't think that your marketability is the same as it is here, right? It's certainly different uh, than it were 20 years ago, but I don't think that when they cut to commercial for NBC, it's going to be pictures of Barkley. It'll be pictures of Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that again, you're fighting against a quarterback. You're right, so, yeah. yeah. And, and in this league, that's sort of what it is. But in any case, I do agree with you. It's not the same as it was in 1991, you know, mm-hmm. so sure. um, my, my whole takeaway on this Barkley thing, and I, I've kind of already stated this, but he took a gamble. He lost. That sucks. Um, I get it. He's still getting a fully guaranteed raise of about three million dollars. It's just another proven year, year for him. Um, and yeah, I think he should be the biggest brand that he can. I don't agree with Carl that I mean, 
I, I sort of agree that it's in his interest to just show up to work and be, be a football guy and just to come out here and be a monster on the field. I agree with that, but also protect yourself a little bit. I understand not going to training camp. Um, I get it from a player perspective there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is the time for him to brand himself if he really wants to make... And he should want to make money after football because, you know what, man? He's already had the big injury once. Well, I mean, he's also the guy that said, you know, a couple of months ago, I'm, I don't want to be the one who has to necessarily set the market. So when that was your kind of... You know, it's easy to say things like that to get people on your side to do it. But now, if you're going to take a 180, basically, an attitude from, I don't need to set the market to... I'm not playing. Sounds like that might have been some bullshit you were saying before or, you know, your true colors are coming out now. And, you know, something I'm going to be honest also, this might be an unpopular hot take, but I don't necessarily fault him. <laughs> you know, you, when you start getting into your sixth, seventh, eighth year in the league, you have to think about your money and, you know, the must monies you can get. Sure. So it's not, it's not as, it's very easy for us to play God with other people's health, career, finances, all of that stuff, brand and everything. That's We're not them. We are average schmucks. You know, they have to think about big picture because these decisions – and I don't want to hear where they're all millionaires. It doesn't matter. Uh, yes, it does matter. It does matter. You, you know, we're talking, you know, generational money that they can go on and they can do things, you know, seed money for someone like a Magic Johnson who can all of a sudden – you know, create like a business empire or LeBron James or something. So these are not easy decisions to make. And right now, much like saying, I don't want to reset the market was just kind of like just talking when it wasn't really negotiating time. What he's saying now is also just talking. It's not renegotiation time. For real. We're not up, we're not up against a deadline yet. So let him say what he wants to, if it makes him feel better, blow off steam. Um, it's not gonna make any difference either way. And, you know, the real countdown will be when we get to, you know, the first week in September and he makes a decision he's going to go out there and play or he's going to take a stand, lose money, and we'll see. Yeah. He's 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 showing up week one. It is what it is. But, I mean, uh, so you mentioned about, like, you know, fault of the union. Um this, this issue with not being this kind of running back but being this one and I offer more but these contracts all factor into my franchise tag and that's bullshit and don't compare me to them and their contract, I understand that and I think that's a fair thing. But the NFLPA has a shitty – they're a shitty union that does the bare minimum for their players. They have a real dichotomy between what veterans need and what rookies want. Um and honestly, this kind of issue with positional versatility and how it impacts the tag could have been addressed after it didn't work for Jimmy Graham way back in like 2012 when he felt he should be paid like a wide receiver for what he offered as a tight end. They could have foreseen this kind of issue. They absolutely could have. This is already an issue with offensive linemen and their franchise tags. Um but they didn't do anything about it. Maybe players didn't see it coming, whatever. But, I mean, that's you would hope that union reps would see something like this coming and this a, defend it. Yeah. yeah, it's a union that has no teeth. I mean, this is a union where players have been complaining for years about the turf at MetLife Stadium. What did the union do about it? Nothing. 
<laughs> Basically, the Giants decided, well, okay, the shelf life of the turf is done. It's time to replace it. You know, if the union had teeth like the baseball union, you could bet your ass there would have been a solution done before that if there are all these people complaining about the turf. Okay, moving on. That's enough yes. Saquon talk, I think. Um, yes. Since we won't expect him for the next couple of weeks, but we'll expect him week one, right? Agreed. I really don't want to talk about him anymore until that happens, honestly. Cool. Okay. Um, in other news, really briefly, uh, the Giants signed both Cole Beasley and James Robinson. Really, really quickly, just going to go over them. Cole Beasley, slot-wide receiver. He's 34 years old, 5'8", 175. Uh, undrafted out of SMU, went to Dallas. He's a longtime cowboy. He was once described to me in a text by the Cranky fan as, quote, such a little turd. Um, I remember that very clearly. Um, he was with the Bills from 2019 to 2012 with Brian Dable. Uh, sorry, 2019 to 2021. Um, and other than one year with the Cowboys, this was his most productive time in his career, highest amount of targets and catches. Um, and then 2022, he was with Tampa Bay, then the Bills. Not a very productive season. Um, again, 34 years old. And then... Yeah, go ahead. Give me your thoughts. I say he, he retired last year, right? I think he yeah. might have – yeah, that was – go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, he came out of retirement, I believe. Um, my kind of take on Cole Beasley is that he is solid – solid. He is a solid veteran slot-wide receiver option, um, and he is a camp competition for Sterling Shepard who may not be healthy enough to be relied on. And it's up to the two of them to battle it out, I think. And it's most likely going to stay Sterling Shepard, I think. I think at best he is insurance in case Sterling Shepard can't play in the beginning of the season. And if nothing else, he is a guy who can give you reps during training camp. So Sterling Shepard, if he's not 100% in camp, can take a limited amount of reps or something and not impact the rest of the offense getting ready for the regular season. I don't... I don't see him at all seriously competing for anybody for any playing time or even a roster spot unless he's needed in that capacity. So what I actually think is I think Wondell Robinson is probably going to start the year on the PUP list or in other, some other fashion be limited in the beginning of the year. I think Sterling Shepard will take the reins for most of the beginning of the year. And I think what's likely to happen is that if in the middle of the year or the end of the year – they need to bring in a veteran guy. I think it's possible that Cole Beasley will still be sitting around. He'll have already learned a lot of the offense from training camp in the preseason, and they can bring him in in that capacity. I think yeah. that's what this really – I think he's not going to make the 53-man roster. I think he's going to be at home on his couch at some point in the year, and he'll be an option for them to pick up the phone and call should the worst happen. I think that's what this is. And I think because you're also kind of butting up against the salary cap, you kind of have to make dumpster dive moves like this where – Of course, yeah. You know, you know, you take a flyer on it, and if it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. And again, the bare minimum, I think he can provide – you know, he's a veteran guy who can provide the reps that are needed in camp. So you're not having guys out of position to do things, and you're wasting everybody's time in camp. So right. That's uh, – you know – Little turds have roles in this world also, and this one might be the one for him. Yeah, and also, like, I think if you need to pull in a guy at some point in the middle of the year to cover uh, a six-game stretch or something like that, 
It's better to have a 34-year-old veteran with fresh legs that probably can only do about six games, but can adjust very quickly, is used to learning things on the fly. You know, he's been around the league. He understands things. He'll probably build a rapport with Daniel Jones quicker and the other wide receivers quicker. He's got the work ethic to pick up a playbook and learn it in two weeks. You know what I mean? It's better that than elevating some rookie off the practice squad that didn't even make the 53-man roster to expect him to do all that. So I, I get this for what it is, I think. We, we've done a lot of that in the past with varying degrees of success. It's just the likelihood of – and we're not talking about a guy who's going to take over as a starter and get 1,000 nope. yards all of a sudden. Nope. We're talking about you know, somebody who can give – maybe in week seven can give you 35 snaps and catch – Four balls and maybe but, one but I mean, first like, down. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be a very important first down when you need it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it'll be a big play, but you're not counting on him to do much production, if that makes sense. Agreed. James Robinson, on the other hand, running back, he is only 24 years old, 5'9", 214. Um, brief stuff about him as a player. Uh, he is not the fastest guy, but I do think that his breakaway speed is faster than his four six forty time. It just doesn't look like four six to me. That's a little slow. Um, he bounces off tacklers really, really well. He has decent vision behind the line of scrimmage. He can get skinny through the hole and burst through. Uh, he might be a little careless with the ball for my taste, just the way he carries it. But you know, that's James Robinson in a brief nutshell. Uh, undrafted out of Illinois State to Jacksonville in 2020. He was a 1,000-yard rusher in his rookie season. He was also named the starter right out of camp. So um, there's that. 2021, he was playing well with Jacksonville, but week 16, he tore his Achilles. Um, And week 16, super late in the year. So 2022, he was not having a great season. He was traded to the Jets midway through the year when Brees Hall got hurt. Um, he was clearly shittier after the injury. Um, <laughs> and then earlier this year, I think in March, he signed with New England for like a two-year, $8 million contract or something like that. But then he was released in June am- uh, amidst concerns about his health. And I think it had something to do with the way the deal was laid out. New England would have been on the hook financially. Like, they were exposed to some kind of financial liability if he couldn't play. Mm-hmm. So they ended up releasing him in June, which put him on the market. The Giants swept in. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to throw my thoughts. You can kind of give me – but I think at 24 years old, this is a very low-risk, high-reward situation. Maybe you get nothing for him, but you're not paying much. But you're getting a very young guy who had an unproductive last year because of a bad injury. Um, it is certainly possible that he can recover from that and become something closer to the 1,000-yard rushing rookie that he was in Jacksonville. Um, I think that this is a creative offense that can maximize the talents of somebody who is maybe not the fastest or the flashiest. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what this really is is veteran backup competition with, like, everyone behind Barkley. I don't think this has anything to do with Barkley directly. I think this is competition for Matt Breda. I think this is, I mean, I think Gary Brightwell is off this team and I think Eric Gray is here for this year, no matter what. So I think this is more threatening to Matt Breda than anybody else. You just answered my question. I was going to say, would they have made this move if Barkley signed a deal? 
Yeah, I think so. Again, I think this is competition for Breda, who I think he performed well last year. I think he could have shouldered even more. I think they could have done more cool stuff with him and Barkley in the backfield at the same time. But all all things considered, he didn't deserve a walk in the park in camp this year. Mm-hmm. He's not that good. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So I think this, even if Barkley signed the deal, I think this is still a move that you make. Especially because he's 24. There's a good yeah. chance that he goes out there and blows Matt Breda out of the water in training camp. Certainly possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- we do not have a thunder and lightning Ahmad Bradshaw, uh, no. Brandon Jacobs with those two guys. I mean, we have, you know, we have the thunder. You know, we don't. I, I don't think there is a lightning piece to this. And I'm not saying one's fast and one's big. Just the complement of, if not equals, at least like a a a, a notch below co uh tanto to lone ranger so okay yeah i i, I think we can uh, you know you're bringing him in for competition again again at a low cost and you see what happens and and in the meantime you're going to need quality reps in camp because barkley is not going to be there again you don't want to you don't want to burn these guys out you want to bring in stiffs off the street just to run the play and it's not doing anybody any good you're running practice you're running drills you want the drills to mean something so you're elevating the skill set of guys who are running drills. And I think that's important. Yes. Um. Hey, pause for one second, okay? Okay. I got to plug this in. Sure. I don't know what happened with that noise, but there's nothing on Twitter. You mean X? Sorry. <laughs> we should That should be a joke when we're finishing here. <laughs> I'm, like, pretty upset. I think this thing is a piece of shit. I wouldn't sign up for this app if I didn't have it already right now. Twitter? Yeah. There's I'm a DM on... limit now. Are you kidding me? Yeah, unless you pay. Oh, because I'm not missing anything by not being on it. No, really not. That's the first time I've. In, that's the first time in three weeks I've logged in just because I want to find out if there's any. Be talking about any loud noise. Explosions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, moving on really briefly, just want to touch on this. Dan Snyder officially. I, I think the sale officially happened with Josh Harris, um, and uh, somebody on Twitter or X, as it's now known. Um, ridiculous um (laughs) somebody broke down his 24 year tenure with the washington commanders okay he has had three team names in 24 years 386 games he went 164 220 and 2 which is sub 500 in 24 years he had 10 coaches only six playoff berths four division titles and they were all right at the beginning of his tenure i'm pretty sure but most of them were yeah, one was a couple of years ago, but that was it. And that yeah. was like a one-off, and that was just—that's because they got extremely hot at the end of one season. Twenty-seven starting QBs for more than one game. Wow, the Browns think that sucks. And only two All Pros in twenty-four years. Holy that Jesus. is an accomplishment, man. I mean, even Al Davis found guys to be in the Pro Bowl. You know, even uh, Jerry Jones found guys got in the Pro Bowl from drafting. So. Wow. 
And uh, because the NFL, as an ultimate brand, was doing well, he managed to turn an $800 million team into a $6 billion team by fucking accident. <laughs> and that feels undervalued based on the stadium they have, the, you know, the potential for having a new stadium with infinite more revenue streams. They've eroded away a, you know, a 40-year waiting list for season tickets to, you know, empty empty seats at home games now you know it's just kind of a it's a franchise that really needs an overhaul image wise branding wise just breathing new life into it yeah um just wanted to touch on that we have been blessed i and i i don't know if i've ever talked about this in the podcast and i'm not this big long thing but i have in the past made the argument that bill belichick and tom brady had one benefit of just a cakewalk division for such a huge part of their tenure in New England. Um, and meanwhile, uh, I, I guess I ignored that Dan Snyder was possibly the worst owner in sports in our own division. Uh, so things, I think, do, we, do you agree s- that things are going to get tougher in the division now with Josh Harris here? But it, can't get, it can't get any easier. Oh, sure. I mean, I think, you know, well, it depends. It can't get any worse. I mean, it depends on let's get past the the first couple of years of new owner needs to make big splash and usually makes short-sighted decisions that don't help the, the longevity of the franchise. But let's get past that. If he hires the right people and gives them the leeway to do their jobs, yeah, it's definitely worrisome. Um, you know, it seems like we have, you know, we have two ownership groups and two, you know, w- between Philly and Washington that may be stable now. Dallas is always going to be a bit of a wild card, and may Jerry Jones live till he's 135 to keep it that way. Um, but no, when you get stability and you get someone that uh, you know hires well, lets them do their jobs, doesn't butt in, that's that makes me worried. Sure. In a big market where you can afford to do things, you know, I know there's a salary cap, but you can spend money in a lot of other ways to make your franchise more attractive to free agents. Uh, you know, you can build a, a billion-dollar training facility. You can do the things that attract free agents and just make it more of a desirable place to play. Um, you know, they build. They have a new stadium they're going to have to build at some point, whether it's going to be in Virginia or the district or wherever. And you know, now that Daniel Snyder's not there, some municipality is going to step up and pay for a large majority of it. And you know it's not going to be a piece of garbage. You know it's going to be, you know, top-notch. I mean, look at the the plans for a new Jacksonville stadium. I mean, it's just like something out of, you know, the 23rd century. And that's Jacksonville. So, yeah, I think the free ride we had for, for Snyder was, uh, was great, except that set the team back generations but i think that three rides over <laughs> um what no it was just funny they also might be in for a rebrand which is hilarious to me um if there ever was a franchise that needed a total rebranding of everything it is this organization i mean you know we sit, we may make fun of jerry jones for being a bad owner and being a meddlesome one but Jerry Jones is not the moral piece of shit that Daniel Snyder was, and just <laughs> very true. I mean, 
yeah, we make fun of Jerry Jones because it looks like he has hookers up in his booth when he in Super Bowls and things. So that's nothing compared to, you know, just the evil that that Snyder was, you know, just, you know, all these allegations and things he's been fined for and all this, you know, criminal activity. So, you know, and all of that just kind of you just need to start fresh, you know, and having a new owner come in. You know, it's not like everybody's in love with the commanders and, oh, we've had that name for 90 years. We can't change it. They've already done that. The, the heavy lifting is over. And there's not going to be any save our commanders people out there <laughs> for sure. So I think I think it's a genius move. And, you know, as a Gator, let's get rid of those awful garnet and gold colors. So it'll remind me of Florida State anymore. Oh, that's so. not going anywhere. That would be that would yeah. be really bizarre if they got rid of the colors. Who knows? I mean, it's possible, but I really doubt. Only because they're super old. Like, if they were, you know, like an AFL team, like the Oilers, um, they're not really moving locations. I mean, they might get a new stadium, but they're not. Well, aren't the Lions looking at doing a a major rebranding also? They've had that color scheme for a billion years, and I think they might be doing something radical like that. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Well... There you go. We will see. Um, so this year, you and I are going to make a, a trip down to FedEx Field. It might be one of the last times that we can do it. Sure. Um, yeah. We should. I mean, it's an easy train ride. If anyone wants to join us, let's go. And that segues directly into the last half of the episode. It's going to be the last one of our season predictions. Um, Pencils and pens. Weeks 13 through 18. Week 13 is a bye week. So we roll into week 14. Green Bay Packers at well, the New York. What? What? Let's catch up. Let's catch up. And uh, what's our records? I'll get and... there, man. God damn it! Keep your fucking pants on. Week Oof. fourteen, Green Bay at New York. They roll in Monday Night Football, just as we were saying before. Primetime games, December eleventh at. Uh, yeah, December eleventh mm-hmm. at eight fifteen. You have the Giants hosting the Green Bay Packers at six and six at week fourteen, which is. Would you call that a make-or-break moment? I guess so. It's kind of a shit or get off the pot. Well, I mean, we're 6-6 six and six according to my brain and the narrative I've created for myself. Um, they've gone through a rough patch. Um, we've talked about in last week's episode, this is where it's the first time you're hearing some disgruntled Giant fans wondering, you know, what is this coaching staff doing? What is this front office doing? I expected more coming off of last year. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, we limp into the bye week. Um, we're 6-6. Six and six. Most likely, Philly, as if not locked up the division, is pretty close. I don't think Dallas is going to be as good as they were last year. So, you know, barring some extraordinary circumstances, I think Philly is going to be, you know, maybe just lapping the field in this division. Um, but we are we have plenty to fight for, and if you're six and six, it's put up or shut up. Because if you keep losing at this point in the season, your chances of making the wild card are slim. So there is a sense of urgency, and it starts off, I think, at the perfect time with the perfect opponent in Green Bay. Okay, so you think that they do well in this game? I do. I think you know, coming off the bye week, I think that this team has you know has two weeks to prepare. Um, this is not your father's Green Bay. Jordan Love is your quarterback. Even though Aaron Rodgers is not Aaron Rodgers anymore, there's still a lot of question marks about Jordan Love. Is he ready to be a starting quarterback in this league? 
Um, I think this is the, I think the Giants. I think they're going to win this game. I think this is a win in pen and one of the very few wins in pens I have this year. I think they come off and a, a, a renew, renewed sense of enthusiasm and hope that they can get a wild card win uh, by beating Green Bay starting it off. So I have the Giants rolling in back home, limping back from, uh, I guess they had the bye week the week before they hosted New England, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the one I had them losing. Um, you did. I have them at 8-4. and four. Um they have the time off. They stay home. They were home for two weeks now. Then they get to play Monday Night Football, so they get an extra day of rest. I think this is a win in pen. Um, when I look at this defense, I see maybe like one or two guys to worry about at, at all three levels. You know, maybe Lucas Van Ness is as scary as a rookie as I think he might be uh, eventually. But, you know, I'm, I'm worried about like Jair Alexander. And that's you know that's like the main they're, concern on defense. Like yeah, they were they were bad against the run last year. And you know again in our model we're assuming Saquon is back. Yeah. You know, this it'll be a distant memory the holdout. I mean, we may be getting into what's he going to do next season. Right. Which might be very annoying. But I think the what's he doing in 2023 will be long put to bed and everything. And I think he might just have a field day in this game. It might be one of those, you know, we, we jump out to an early lead and they lean, lean on Saquon, lean on the power game. And, you know, by then, my thought is Evan Neal will be a lot better than he was this year. We'll hopefully be put into proven effect. This offensive line is gelling and he puts up some pretty big numbers. Um, I also look at, I mean, I do think that Green Bay has a nice crop of receivers. I like Aaron Jones as a running back. They have some stuff working with, um, you know, David Bakhtiari's a really good tackle. Uh, I, I do like Elton Jenkins at left guard. But at the end of the day, you have a nice young crop of talented receivers, but no experience. And probably the biggest question mark at quarterback that's not a rookie in the entire league? Well, I would say uh, San Francisco, too. San Francisco, Las Vegas. Um, but but right up there with them, I think it's about Absolutely. even. Absolutely. I would say even San Francisco, you have at least some clutch performances to go off of that you can make something work. I don't yeah. know if you have do you have yeah. anything with Jordan Love. Yeah, you have anecdotal evidence with San Francisco. You have nothing with Jordan Love. You have nothing with Jordan Love. The so most I, people know about Jordan Love is the fact that the Packers drafted him. Aaron Rodgers got pissed. Pretty much. Right. So I mean, I I look at this and I don't see a roster advantage for Green Bay. Um, I do not either. I think the Giants should be able to rattle them. Um, I think they'll force mistakes. I think this is a win in pen. I, I, I don't think that this is going to be real difficult. Um, so that puts you at 7-6, and six, me at 9-4, and four, feeling good. Week 15, Ooh. Giants travel down to New Orleans Sunday, December 17th at 1 o'clock. Is this not a travel game for us? It's too close to Christmas. Yeah, okay. Um, That's usually our... That's usually our big uh, family amuck in the city weekend. Where you're we right. Yeah, you're right. Stuff. Yeah, we'll find a bar somewhere. Don't worry. Okay. Um, how are we feeling for you? Seven and six Giants traveling to New Orleans. Everything in my brain tells me this is a game we would lose. Going to New Orleans, we never do well in New Orleans. Uh, you know, just fluky, crazy things happen. Um 
not this year. <laughs> I think this year is like one of those, we don't expect the Giants to win there, and guess what? They go in. I know they got Derek Carr now. Um, who knows? He may not even be the quarterback in the year. It could be, you know, it could be Jameis. It could be whoever. Um, I just think that I feel a late season surge with this team. And I feel like we go into New Orleans and I think Daniel Jones is playing his best ball of the season now. I think Saquon is playing his best ball of the season now. I think he, I think after having a monster game against Green Bay, he's going to, you know, piggyback off of that and have another big game. Uh, I think we go in there and I think we win in pencil. And I think we are building momentum towards that wild card run. Yeah, so I, I look at this and I don't feel too great about it. Um, I, I like your story better. But uh, <laughs> I think on offense, the Giants might have like some kind of trench advantage there. Um, maybe. But my bigger issue is that this is a really deep and talented New Orleans secondary. Um, they are... I mean, with Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Alante Taylor, Bradley Roby, Jonathan Abram. That's that's deep secondary right there. My man Marcus May might have some uh, legal issues, so he might not even be playing. So uh, I mean, could be. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as of right now, he's slotted to play, so got to roll yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, that worries me, and I think it's going to be difficult to hit things down the field. Um, and that may severely limit it. I mean, if we have to play the short game, that means that we're playing close. And then when you flip to the defense, you know, you might be able to get something of an edge presence, but I don't see any clear advantages anywhere on defense. And I think, I think Derek Carr is a criminally under, no, not maybe not criminally, but I think he's an underrated quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure that this is the fit for him, but I'm certainly more afraid of him than I am Jameis Winston. Um, <laughs> And, you know, Alvin Kamara is still Alvin Kamara no matter what. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. This is – there's some talent here and I'm not really sure. I don't know. I just – I have this as a loss in pen. I, I think playing it – Yeah. I'm okay. Again, I don't – that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get blown out. I just – I feel very confident right. that this is a shit game. It's just they don't play well there. I think it's a hard place to play. Um, and I look at this – I don't see like – when I look at depth charts and stuff, I don't see a clear roster advantage anywhere. This is a game – and I, I started with my conversation about this and another game coming up where you know, I feel pretty confident in one thing that should happen. I would bet on it and I would lose. And I think this is – again, my head tells me going into New Orleans this time of year means a loss. But I think you know the NFL is a little quirky. I'm throwing one of my – quirky chips and, and using it and saying this is the one we do win where you don't think we're going to win so I get it yeah and that brings us into week 16 uh, you have us at 7 and 6 sorry you have 2 wins in a row 8 and 6 eight now, and, six now. Uh, and I have us at 9 and 5 um, the Giants are traveling to Lincoln Financial in Philadelphia on Christmas afternoon December 25th. It's a Monday at 4.30. Um, all right, let's hear it. I'm calling it right now. This is going to be a win in pencil. Ooh. And I was almost debating a win in pen. Here's my reasons. I'm not, ready for this. Not that I'm an insane person who should be carted away, but a bunch of factors. One, as I alluded to before, 
Philly may have run away with this division by now. And may they may not be in serious tank mode. They may be in kind of play closer to the vest mode. So, you know, that's one thing. The second thing. So you're talking more of a players aren't resting, but the play calls are more conservative. A little bit. Okay, you know, I get. I understand that. You know, if we're if, if if at this point now, if and it's really potential if Philly is something like eleven and two, or at this point, or something, they may want to keep things to the vest because they know the playoffs are coming, and they don't want to, you know, just feel like a it feels like a coach that would do something like that. Who thinks he's a little too smart for everybody else? Um, second thing. The game is Christmas Day, and, you know, there is something to be said for a fan base that we always talk about, you know, the Giants season ticket holder sells their tickets when it's a primetime game or if they have the opportunity to make more money or something. I have a hunch that the serious, uh, you know, a segment of the Eagle fan base might spend time with their families on Chris on Christmas Day you know whether even if the weather's not so hot they they sell their tickets and they make some money they're 11 and two watch the game at home around the fireplace so you have either the second tier of Eagle fan there or more giant fans in the building than would normally be especially if they're making the serious run so I don't think you'll have the normal home field advantage you would like for the on the playoffs, for example, last year, or in a normal, you know, bunch of animals that are there. So I think that might be a little bit of an advantage, also. And three, I, I think the Giants, you know, they're, they're right in the middle of that wild card run. They're on momentum now. They've won two in a row. They see the finish line, and I just think they they play with more urgency. And you know, obviously Philly's more talented. They're a better team. We get all of that, but I just think again. In the narrative built in my head, they come off with a win. So I'm going to put this as a win in pencil. So you don't think there's any chance that the Philly fan spends Christmas with their family around the fire in a barrel and uh, in, in the parking <laughs> lot, and then they just all go to the stands? Um, I think a lot of them will, but I think there'll be a segment that doesn't. No, I agree with you. I, I, yeah. I, I follow that reasoning. I think that's fair. Uh, I especially agree with, with your scenario of the Giants on a roll going into a weakened stadium, a team that has less to play for on Christmas Day, no less. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a chance to nab one. I have this the as only, a loss in pen. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing that kind of throws a, a fly into the ointment of my theory is that that organization lives, breathes, sleeps, shits, screws to mess with the New York Giants. I mean, that to them, beating the Giants, owning the Giants, to them is like owning the Libs. They, 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 that's what they'd rather do almost as much as winning a Super Bowl. So you may take my whole logic about them maybe, you know, looking ahead, and they may just say, fuck it, it's the Giants, let's just kill them. But who knows? Um, I think I'm just it may be in a couple of years before I am no longer worried about this defensive line matching up against our offensive line uh, especially thanks to the fact that Howie Roseman cheated the NFL and got an extra draft pick for no reason whatsoever um, I don't think that the edge position is as scary as it used to be for this team which is thankful 
uh, I mean, now that we have good tackles, that might actually not really be a big issue for us anymore is the edge position. I think that void left by TJ Edwards in the middle of the field is a bigger void than people maybe realize. Um, but with that said, like, we don't know what N'Kobe Dean is going to be. Um, he could be a bust that doesn't transition to actually being a linebacker. He might just be like a Georgia athlete that was just better than everybody else at the SEC level and not shit in the NFL. So that's like a huge question mark for me. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, I, I think that this secondary can be exploited. I think that they're overrated. I think James Bradbury had a good year last year. I think he just played on a great team. I think Darius Slay at this point in his career is overrated and overpaid. Um, but I just I, I, I just get worried about that defensive line. I mean, if he can't run the ball, if Daniel Jones can't step up in the pocket, if he's po- frequently running for his life, it's going to be a problem. Um, and I think that, you know, defensively, we'll be able to put up a fight, especially in the trenches, but... At the end of the day, this is a very dynamic offense with a lot of speed, a lot of skill position talent that I just don't know that we're ready to match up with yet. I don't think the disparity between the teams is even... I think it's less than half as bad as it was last year, right? Like, they're much closer to competing with this team this year than they were last year. I'd say they're closer. I wouldn't go it much closer. I think... This to me is a situation of time and place. This well, I mean, I'm saying that I'm saying much closer, not because the Giants got that much better, but because they got a little bit better, and the Eagles, I think, got a little bit worse roster wise. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's where I'm um, saying. Yeah. But I think if this game is in Week Six, I would have this as a loss in Magic Marker. Yeah, I, I, I think, have this as a loss in Pen anyway. But yeah, I have this because where I have it in the schedule, and I think that little quirkiness of, you know. Having it on Christmas Day, having it late in the season, we haven't faced them yet. Um, this game may not mean as much to one team as it does the other team. I think we have a chance to sneak a win out of here, and I think we do. That puts us both at nine and six, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. How about that? I, you thought I was running away with it, and we caught right <laughs> back up with each other. Um, following that, on New Year's Eve, as usual, we're either playing on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Um, One o'clock, the Giants are all the way out on the West Coast playing the Los Angeles Rams. Tell me what you think. This game's in L.A. or is it home? What was it home? Uh, I have it written down as at L.A. Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Game's at home. Okay. All right. Uh, I will not be able to go to this game because I will be on the West Coast, unfortunately. Um... I have this is another win. I have this is another win. I have this is a win in pen. I think one of the very few win in pens I have this year. Um, what do you think about the Rams? I, very, it's you know, a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago and was not good last year. And coaching questions about the coach, you know, how long, you know, I, I don't know. Stafford question marks to me. I. I just have the feeling the Giants are – this is a, a, a must-win game for the Giants. Again, I think they win this. They clinch a wild-card spot. Um, I'm going to look into my crystal ball and say the Rams are not in the wild-card hunt. So it's meaningless for them. I think we, we take care of business. We win. Win and pen. 
I agree with you. I think the Rams are shot. I would have understood, yeah. but it would have been a bitch move for the coach to retire or leave the Rams after they won the Super Bowl because they went all in. They He had to know they were going to be a little bit shittier, and Matt Stafford was not going to get any younger. He's not mm-hmm. going to get any closer to his prime. Um, I'm glad hey. he didn't. It would have been it would have been a bitch move, I think, for a coach to roll out like that, as young as he is. And listen, the Rams did the right thing going all in because it worked it out. It worked. They, they won a Super Bowl. Don't let anybody ever tell you different that, oh, they mortgaged the future. They did this. If you win a Super Bowl, I mean, it's worth it. As much as I don't like the Bucks, it worked out by getting Tom Brady because you got a Super Bowl. And I've asked, I have a lot of friends who are Buck fans, and none of them feel like they rented to get a Super Bowl or they just, you know, piggyback Brady and just got a cheap one. They all feel it is just as important to them as their first one. So they did what they had to do. They may suffer for it in the back end, but they have a Super Bowl. You don't think that's important? Ask Cleveland, ask Minnesota, ask Buffalo, teams that have never won one. Ask the Jets. Ask Detroit. You should... Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, Jets have you... one. Oh yeah, but you know something. Uh, you know, those people who remember that are now in their upper sixties. Yep. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know. I look at this team and they're shot. They have yeah. you know some things here and there, but this defense is a total mess. I and mean, this is interesting. I actually think the Giants have a trench advantage. The Giants' offensive line has a trench advantage against an Aaron Donald team. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Aaron Donald might have a good game, but I don't think that he himself will make up for the rest of this defense. It's just nobody's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would take a colossal uh, amount of coaching and scheming to get this defense to do anything productive. I think that there's not enough on the offense. Uh and I think they're going to eat them up. I think this is a win in pen. Uh, I think DJ I runs and throws on the move. He'll eat this whole defense up. I think that this is going to be very similar to, of a situation as the Colts game last year. I Yes, that's exact. I was trying to think of the scenario. I, I forgot who the team was when I was going through my thought about this, but absolutely. One of those games where we just take care of business. Yep. And I that, think was, that, is a, that was a beautiful I, game for us last year. We got the good seats. We got the good food. <laughs> good to meet you. Um, no, I mean, I, I, um, I completely agree. I think this. I think that's a testament to our coaching staff too. That, you know, they had that team ready to play, where it's like take care of business, and they did. And that brings us both to ten and six. The Giants get to host the Eagles this time Sunday. January 7th. I do not believe we have a time scheduled for this game yet. Doesn't we matter. Do it's probably going to get flexed anyway. So saying it's on Sunday, January 7th is probably disingenuous. 10-6, and six, we both hit the double-digit win marker. That's an improvement over last year. Nine-win team last year. Tell me how much better the Giants are. Go ahead. Well, first, for this game, my prediction is... By halftime, the 10 best players on both teams will no longer be in the game. I don't think you're going to see Jalen Hurts or Daniel Jones play in this game at all. I think the game is completely meaningless. I think the Giants have locked up a wild card spot. I think Philly, unfortunately, has locked up home field throughout the playoffs. I think this is a, you know, as bare-boned of a game as you saw last year in the Philly game to end the season. It may be even uglier for this one. 
Um, simple reason being, and this may sound stupid, the game's on turf as opposed to on grass. And maybe they just want to protect people even more. So I think it's one of those, I don't even, it's even impossible for me to even make a, a prediction. But since we are, I'll be a homer and say Giants and Pencil. But it means n- literally nothing. I like that scenario. If the Giants have their playoff situation wrapped up by week set, week 18, wild card or otherwise, I don't care. I like not having to worry about the last couple games of the year. Sure. I don't see it that way. I don't think 10 wins locks up anything. Uh, it's certainly possible. I wouldn't rule out the Cowboys in some scenario being able to overtake us at, at 11 wins or something like that. So... I don't think that this is going to be that way for both teams, but I do think that this is probably going to be that way for the Eagles. Um, and as much as they do like to troll, they like winning in the playoffs more. And yeah. so, uh, you know, last year was a fairly close game by score. Davis Webb, may he may he remember this game in his mind last year, his I touchdown throw to Kenny Galladay. I think I was darning my socks by the third quarter of that game. So it really, that's how important it was to me. Yeah, I have this as a win in pencil, but I have it pretty much because the Giants have more to play for than the Eagles. And even though the Eagles want to stick it to us, they, the players on that team are very upset that they didn't win the Super Bowl. Well, I'm thinking, you know, in my scenario, they would already have 10 wins going into Week 18. Right. That, to me, I mean— it would be very difficult not to make the playoffs if you have 10 wins by that point, right? To be the third wild card. Yeah, I guess in the NFC that would be pretty hard. Yeah. I don't want to go through the who would be in, who would be out scenario. No, no, no. We, we haven't done this exercise to other teams. I'm just saying, you know, in a, you know, in a, a giant centric world where things are reasonable, you know, Reasonable being probably the one seed probably has two or three losses. The wild cards probably have there's probably one wild card team, and it could be Dallas that you know is 12 and five and is the a higher wild card than us. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think if we have 10 wins going into that last game, I think I don't think we're going to be playing harder for wild card seeding. Right, so, uh, okay, I, I think I see what you're saying. So there's not going to be three non-division-leading teams with more wins already. That's my point, yeah. exactly. Uh, that's I think fair. It, I think it was a question of, well, if they win this game, they can win in division, get a bye week. I think they try. I think if it's you know, the, the, you know this wild card versus this wild card spot, I think they're, the bigger picture is rest them, let's have a mini bye week and worry about the wild card next week. Yeah, I guess I didn't consider it that way with the extra wild card spot this year. Um, regardless, I have this one in pencil. I still think that I still think that they would be playing for a better wild card spot, better matchup. Doesn't the third wild card have a shittier run through? Potentially, but also just because somebody has a better record doesn't necessarily mean they're better. I mean, you might be a division winner in a crappy division may have more wins. No, I know, but I mean, if you can, if you're looking ahead like that, you kind of already see how the seeding is going to go, and you can kind of be like, "Look, I don't want to screw around. Where if we lose this game, we wind up playing Philly again in two weeks or something like, you know what I mean? Or I mean, maybe that's a bad example, but 
maybe it's it's playing Dallas in the first round because they lost this game. I think I think you you focus more on getting healthy and getting the rest. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Hmm. Well, either way, I I think the Eagles have very little to play for, and they are definitely itching for a Super Bowl. So this is a win in pencil for me. And we both end the season eleven and six. How about that? And we <laughs> and did I, not do this exercise together. Yes, and also, and we we got there on a complete different roads to get there. And I, but I think you know I'm coming in winning five in a row. Yeah, I and but see, yeah, that that's this sort of played into what I thought. I I didn't think the Giants were going to be a huge letdown in the playoffs. I thought they were going to maybe win, maybe they'll win two playoff games. But I think limping into the playoffs as opposed to rolling in is probably more likely. I think they'll get off to a faster start and a shittier end. I I didn't work backwards from saying the record's going to be this. To me, I I went just forward like each week. How do I felt this was going, and just all of a sudden, by week, and then win, 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 win happened. So yeah, um, there was no master plan. It was just I let it. Kind no, of not for me either. But I do think that it plays into what I think happens in the playoffs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about that? Unlimited six season with uh, a couple of playoff wins. Hopefully, um, I would be happy with that. I'd sign up for that anytime. A couple of playoff wins. So you having is going to possible. The conference final. Well, if they're a wild card, not necessarily. They would win a wild card and then a division game. Wild division, okay. Oh, they, then I guess then, then it would go to the conference final, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I could see it. Remember, it's single elimination, so anything can, you get the right matchup. So in 2011, I remember, um, I still believe in 2011 the Giants may not have gone to the Super Bowl if San Francisco didn't beat New Orleans. It's possible, sure. Definitely. I mean, like, I did not want to face Drew Brees. I'll take Alex Smith any day of the week over <laughs> Drew Brees. And I remember that game against San Francisco, which was a hair yanker. Um, he had only there, completed, man. like, one pass to a wide receiver in that game. Oh, yeah, I was there. I mean, the, the conditions were miserable. It was, yeah. You're, that game is going to be in in uh, in New Orleans. It's going to be 72 degrees. It's going to be an insane asylum, and they probably are still throwing touchdowns against us. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, exactly. So the the right matchup in the playoffs, they could I could see them getting as far as the conference championship, but I don't think they're good enough to go to a Super Bowl. So I don't foresee that. No. So a win in the playoffs, I should hope so. Two wins possible. Three wins not happening. Four wins definitely not. I'd sign up for it anyway. Hey, my goal for this season, I've said it many times in this offseason, and you, I won't say it anymore, is I expect this team to have, you know, be a better team if even if the record doesn't reflect it. Now, this exercise, as I did it, had both, you know, had a, had a better record than last year, which I don't know if they're in reality that's going to happen because, of, of course, we haven't factored in things like injuries and how well other teams are playing when we play them. And, you know, we're making assumptions about the Eagles rolling over basically in December and all that could change. Um, I'm still sticking with, I think this team, the eye test after 18 game, 18 weeks are going to be like, this team is better than last year. Yeah. I think there'll be genuine excitement. And they may be watching the playoffs at home, but I still think they will be a better team. I agree with you. Um, Tough division. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. That's really it. Well, shit. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. That was our that was 
if you if you first of all if you listen to this congratulations you're still um, awake yeah <laughs> but uh yeah if you if you listened to all of this like pen and pencil stuff our off-season coverage um you made it everything going forward is going to be real reactions to real football training camp is real football as far as i'm concerned uh preseason is important even if i would not spend money on going um these things are, are going to be real exciting. I'm I'm amped. How you feeling? It's the first time in a long time where I'm generally excited because it's not just part of the process. It's starting to get ready for a season that I have something really to look forward to. I mean, last year was, okay, what is this new coaching staff going to be like? You know, a lot of unknowns, a lot of, well, let's wait and see. There was interest generated from last year that gets me excited that yeah now we're talking we actually had a conversation just now are we gonna have one or two playoff wins potentially we haven't had that come out of our cocky bastards oh it is not then say we're gonna win one or two but the thought of even having them is something we have not legitimately had you know in in a long time i mean i don't know (laughs) what year was the last when we we lost to green bay what year was that in the playoffs 2018 uh, 2016. 2016. How many Giants are on the roster right now that were even in the league in 2016? Oh. Not many. Not many, <laughs> so, no. I mean, Ster- I mean, Sterling Shepard, I can think of. Yeah, uh, he was no. on the Giants, but like, you know, Cole right. Beasley. Yeah. Um, Not many guys on this roster were even in the league the last time we had that. And that that's a, a testament of how fast turnaround happens in this league and how you know, generational, you can kind of say these things are. So this is kind of new territory for us to be in. You know, we're not Super Bowl favorites. We're not division favorites. We're not even be a favorite to make one of the wild card spots, but we are, we're legitimate. We're ahead of schedule, I think, on the rebuild. You know, we still have some, you know, roster maintenance that needs to be, you know, done and, you know, some additions to depth that we need to do in the next year or so Some to contracts get contracts to get off our books exactly you know to get in a better place but a lot of work has been done in the last 15 months by this front office and coaching staff and uh we'll see more fruits of that starting you know starting now that's right so next episode you will be listening to us talk about something much much more exciting uh training camp stuff so stay tuned uh follow us on x Football underscore grump at the cranky fan at just giants pod. Wait, so um, is it officially X now or is that just? I don't know. I opened I opened it to look up a thing and uh, the Twitter logo was gone and now it's just a stupid X. But whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> that commentary is for another day. Um, but I don't think YouTube is going anywhere. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes or. You know, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, those don't seem to be going through any sort of ownership problems right now. Uh, so that's a pretty stable place to find this podcast. Um, and do me a personal favor and use your words and your mouth to tell all of your other friends that you talk Giants stuff to about this show because I don't trust X. <laughs> I don't trust <laughs> that my shit is being seen. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what the hell's going on anymore i think i would trust people who are taking x more than actually the <laughs> at this point so uh no we really do appreciate it you know i know we appreciate everybody listening through the off season you know we try to 
you know, we try to do this show a little differently than some of the other shows. The other shows are fantastic. We recommend all of them, you know, list as many shows as you can. Uh, we try to, you know, try to have a little fun on this, try to do it a little different. Um, but now we've been vamping for five months, six months, and now it's time to really talk football again. And we're very excited. You know, Grump has, you know, second to none. His analysis is, you know, his film study, what he sees. I give you my opinions of what I, what, what I see and everything. And, um, you know, we're happy to, you know, be part of the overall giant, uh, you know, podcast family. So just, I would say subscribe to us, subscribe to all of them, subscribe to, you know, Talking Giants and, and all the other ones because we're all friends and we just want to be a smart fan base. Hell yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking out the off season with us. We hope to see you throughout training camp we hope you stick around for all that stuff and we hope to see you during the regular season at the games we hope to see a training camp we'll we'll let you know when we're gonna go we're gonna go out there a couple times i think uh yeah we'll we'll take a look at the schedule and see what what days work for us and and we'll let you know here all right everyone till then go giants go giants